Welcome to the Conscious Leadership Club podcast, where we explore the intersection between Buddhist psychology, modern science and leadership. My name is Tim and this is the topic I'm currently studying at the University of Oxford and I'm excited to share my learnings with you. Hello and welcome back. Do you ever feel like chasing desires, especially achieving more? doesn't bring the fulfillment you're hoping for. In this episode, we're going to explore two paths to satisfaction. The common pursuit of our desires and an alternative provided by the Buddha two and a half thousand years ago. So let's dive right into it. And as I said, there are two fundamentally different approaches to the attainment of happiness. And one is super common in our society and it's pretty much everywhere in our culture. The other one is a totally different idea that the Buddha came up with quite a while ago. And my bets are on the latter and I tell you why. So let's begin with the simple idea of what happiness is. And we could look at it through the lens of modern systems theory. So think of every living thing or system like ecosystem, uh, social system as having a kind of membrane, which is like a boundary that separates internal from external and the system's health or well-being which we can call happiness for humans can be seen as a balance between inner and outer states so let's take the following example if an amoeba's inside temperature matches the water it's in we could say it's healthy and if we stretch it a bit we might even say it's happy but if the water's temperature suddenly drops the amoeba gets uncomfortable because there's a mismatch between what it's used to and what it's currently facing. And in human terms, this discomfort can be called unhappiness, leading to a desire for wanting things to go back to normal or what they used to be. And this leads us to two approaches for achieving happiness. One is to change the world around us to meet our needs and wants. And the other is to adjust our inner selves to fit the world as it is. Both strategies are about calming the storm of desires, one by satisfying them and the other by letting them go. And our minds and bodies are set up in a way where we feel good when our senses get what we want. But even though we all, I'm pretty sure, experience that these happy moments, they don't last forever, we still chase them as if they do. And We can't please all our senses all the time, but we still think it's the right thing to try to satisfy them as much as we can. And this is because our culture and society really pushes this idea. And we are always being told to define ourselves by what we want and how well we can achieve those things. And the urge to change the world to quiet our desires is ultimately based on an idea of how things should be. I want it to be that way. I want it to be this way. And this depends a lot on how wisely we can think at any given moment. Sure, we might have great goals to make the world a better place. But even when we make some progress, we often end up causing other problems. And maybe this could explain why some of the most successful people are also amongst the most unhappy. It's not that some desires aren't better than others. The issue is with the nature of desire itself. And we're so used to the idea that happiness comes from changing or achieving things outside of us that it's kind of weird to hear the Buddha's very controversial or rather difficult to grasp idea of finding happiness from within ourselves. 
And he recognized that life is not always smooth. Calling this imbalance or unsatisfactoriness dukkha. It's part of life. But he suggested we look for the reasons for this inside ourselves, understand them, and then fix them with internal changes rather than external ones. And the Buddha thought that instead of trying to match our inner world to the other world, we should focus on our inner state. And the world is constantly changing and out of our control, but our own desires are closer to us and more accessible than anything else out there. So it's simply more efficient to adapt to the world rather than to alter it. And this is especially true because the mind as the creator of desires will inevitably generate more desires that can ever be satisfied by even the most successful series of external changes. And let's just think about this for a second. Even if we were very good at making everything outside of ourselves be just the way we want it to be, which is a crazy thought, you must admit. We could fundamentally never get everything perfect because our desires are A, constantly changing, they are B, often conflicting, and C, because the changes of the environment can never keep up with the pace of the wanting mind in the first place. And therefore, the satisfaction of desire as a strategy for lasting satisfaction will always be a doomed enterprise. This makes it sound that desires are the root of all evil. And you might wonder, Tim, is that really the case? Are desires not also something very positive and without it, we would lack any kind of motivation and drive? Isn't wanting to learn about our mind and, and how it operates a desire and without it, I wouldn't even listen to this podcast here? And you're certainly right. Desire in itself is absolute human and a natural part of life. Nothing wrong with it at all. The problems come with expectations and clinging. So if you desire something, maybe you will get it, maybe you won't. If you're fine with either outcome, then it won't be an issue. But if you start clinging and attaching to the unmet desire, this is where the problems arise. It all has to do with the resistance to what is happening in the moment. Which brings us to mindfulness, which involves the continual monitoring of how we feel and what's going on in our minds and bodies. So everything we sense, what we see, hear, smell, taste, feel, and even think, turns into moments of awareness. We become aware of our bodies, our feelings, our thoughts, our habits, and even our deepest intentions. And you know, as we experience all this, we notice how desires are always there quietly nudging us to want things a certain way. Like wanting to be praised, earn more money, have more free time, eat pizza, lose weight, learn to play the piano or found a startup. The list goes on and on and on. And if you really believe that this wanting and drive will give you the freedom and happiness you deep down are probably looking for, I'm sorry to disappoint you because your desires, they will never stop. There will always be the next thing seemingly giving you the long satisfaction. But what's, what's the alternative? And who would have thought, yes, it's mindfulness. So when we meditate, it's like practicing letting go of the clinging of these desires from moment to moment. We learn to accept things as they are, adapting gently to each new moment as it comes. And the question that often follows from this is, Yeah, does that not mean I will become 
um, indifferent to life and, and stop caring if I just accept things as they are? And how should I ever achieve anything if I just accept the status quo or life as it is? And here comes a very crucial point, which is often misunderstood. Mindfulness teaches non-attachment, which is different from detachment or indifference. Non-attachment means engaging with the world and experiencing life fully, but without becoming ensnared by cravings, aversions, or clingings to those things as they are. It's really about appreciating and enjoying life's pleasures without becoming dependent on them for happiness. And such inner response to experience re-establishes the equilibrium between ourselves and our world. And every time a sneaky little desire pops up, we learn to become aware of it and thereby loosen the grip and find comfort in not attaching to that thing anymore. You can still pursue the thing you desire, but the quality, how you do it is important and will change completely. So happiness isn't something we chase and grab. It's more like something we find hidden inside of us, tucked away under all the stress of freaking wanting stuff all the time. And the Buddha used to talk about this amazing kind of happiness that's not about getting what our senses want. But let's be honest, most of us aren't there yet. We might touch that feeling for a few special moments, but what about the rest of the time? With all the hustle and bustle and our desires pulling us in every direction. How do we live by the Buddha's ancient wisdom in today's world? And the journey the Buddha suggests is a slow one, where we gradually swap out old habits for new ones. And most of us are too shaped by our world to completely drop our way of thinking and to change everything around us. And sure, sometimes we really do need to step up and make changes, especially when there's clear harm or big injustices. But I bet there are a lot more chances to adjust ourselves instead of reshaping everything around us than we think. And as we practice mindfulness, we get better at it and we'll find even more ways to do so. Maybe we should give the world a break from our constant urge to change it and focus more on changing ourselves. I believe the Buddha was onto something here and that by doing this, we'll end up being happier in the long run. This is it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Keep on rocking and speak to you soon.